You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. We are delighted to have as our guest on Preaching Source today, Dr. Al Faisal, who is the retired distinguished professor of preaching at Southwestern Seminary. Uh, He taught preaching here at Southwestern for 32 years. Uh, Dr. Faisal, I think we've estimated that there's somewhere over 6,000 men who have sat under your teaching uh, about preaching in the classroom, and he is a legend here at Southwestern. Dr. Faisal's written a, a number of books on sermon preparation, sermon delivery, the history of Baptist preaching in the South, and he's Uh, co-authored a book on preaching evangelistically. Uh, In addition to his ministry in the classroom, he served as an interim pastor on 28 occasions. And in his retirement, he's currently writing Christian fiction, and he's completing three novels. (laughs) So he's staying busy. Four novels. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Faisal, it's an honor to have you on Preaching Source. Welcome. What a treat it is to be here. Mm. Dr. Faisal, one of your books is entitled With a Bible in Their Hands. It's a history of Southern Baptist preaching from 1679 uh, to 1979. And I wonder if you, if you would talk to us a little bit about the history of Southern Baptist preaching and, and what sparked your interest in, in that field. This was uh, a book that I wrote later in my career because I needed some perspective. I did not become a Christian until I was nearly 21 years old, and I scouted churches, and the Southern Baptist churches were open to receiving me in the deepest kind of fellowship, which is exactly what I needed. But I realized I'm hearing people talk about older preachers or people who influenced their lives, and I thought, I don't know who they are. I don't have this history. I've always loved history, and the more I studied Southern Baptists of recent pastors, the more I was interested in who were their pastors and who were the pastors before them. And it's such a fascinating subject, I thought, this has to be published somewhere. There's too much good information here. So that's what motivated and prompted the book. Mm. Now, you've, uh, in your uh, book with a Bible in their hands, uh, you uh, selected several things that characterized uh, Southern Baptist preaching historically. You, you said that Southern Baptist preachers have stood for the separation of church and state. Uh, they've been fueled by an intense uh, study and prayer, and that they've rooted themselves in biblical authority. So why, why are those the three things as the characteristics of, of Southern Baptist preaching? Uh, it kept coming out in the sermons I read, in the biographies and the autobiographies. These were prominent And so I had to pay honor to what the preachers were saying about themselves and what close friends were saying about them. In reverse order, I really liked the fact that the Bible was central. I don't know how many times I heard the phrase, young preachers, stay stay with the scriptures. Don't give us your opinions, stay with the scriptures. As I studied Southern Baptist sermons, There were a great many hermeneutical differences that I had with the old preachers, especially on slavery, but I was impressed by the fact that even when they were wrong, they were counting on the Bible. They were looking to Scripture to guide their thinking, to guide their preaching. So that had to be one of the big characteristics. 
Some of those characteristics have changed. I believe the intensity and prayer and preparation has changed a bit because there has been more of a leaning toward personality, identity. I have to, my name has to be known. I taught my students that the highest compliment somebody can pay you is quoting your sermon, someone else asking who preached it, and they're saying, oh, I don't remember his name. I don't even remember what he looks like, but I remember his sermon. And we've had too much of personality influence. Uh, it has to be the preacher himself that gets too much glory, and I, I think that's uh, been a change that I haven't liked. And then the separation of church and state. I know there's a lot of disagreement there. I won't get into it, but we've almost come 90 degrees or 180 degrees where we used to be. Now there are a lot of preachers who are for the combination of church and state. Uh, but uh, somebody else can write that history someday. <laughs> are, are there other changes that you've seen over, uh, in, in the uh, in what is characteristic of Southern Baptist preaching uh, in the contemporary day and, and through history? Are there other changes that you think are notable? Well, this recent uh, influence of trying to be user-friendly has changed preaching a lot. I think maybe we're beginning to get away from that again. And I think we're running scared. Young people were staying away. And we said, I'm generalizing, uh, what can I do to get them back make them feel good about being here. And, and user-friendly, too often they would sacrifice biblical theological terms that are very basic, such as uh, repentance. I remember one time saying somebody, someone said to me, uh, we don't use that word repentance because our young people don't use that word. And I said, well, two things. When I used the word, I defined it. I even demonstrated what it meant. But as far as using the word that young people don't use, shouldn't we be saying to them, I'm glad you're here. You can learn a new word. It's very important in Scripture. You can grow from this experience rather than our saying, just stay at the growth area you are. You don't have to learn anything. Just stay where you are. But as I said, I'm glad we're getting away from that. Dr. Faisal, it's, it's been a little more than 20 years since you wrote uh, with a Bible in their hands. And at that time... Uh, you uh, gave uh, you identified a couple of trends. Uh, one of them is that you said that Southern Baptist preaching was headed in, first of all, the direction of more of our uh, field preachers and churches becoming increasingly multi-ethnic. And then the second uh, trend that you observed was that the language of our sermons was becoming, as you put it, more user-friendly. Uh, all right, that's been more than 20 years ago that you made those two observations. Let's look back over the last 20 years, and how have those two trends played out? What's happening along those two lines? I really think the user-friendly approach is being reexamined and uh, trying to make adjustments again to what, how can we help young people, especially young adults, but anyone who needs the gospel, to understand you need the Lord. And uh, to generalize, when I first was called to preach, somebody said, well, you're a bit too quiet. You're a teaching preacher. Well, you need to learn to stop and shout and sweat and spit. <laughs> and I said, but God knew who I was when he called me. And if I try to be somebody different, I'm insulting God. 
you didn't know what you're doing, God, and you called me, so I'll be somebody else for you. So I think we're trying to get back to, uh, to understanding that young people, young adults, uh, this is so complicated, I'll try to generalize, are so involved with their electronics, they've lost contact with humans. And when they come to church, they can find a sense of fellowship, a sense of community. And so the preaching now needs to be in the sense of, uh, here's the scripture, here's what the scripture says you need, and here's the place to find it. So I think uh, those are some of the adjustments that are ongoing right now. Mm -hmm. What about the, the uh, uh, development of multi-ethnic churches? What's your observation about how that's played out? Since I wrote that, I think we've gone back to being more segregated. Uh, I used to hear a criticism that the church is the most segregated institution there is. The difference was there was no law segregating the churches. That was done by choice. So many people would say, I liked to worship with you occasionally, but I really like my ethnic style better but I can have it all the time. Hmm. What, uh, what do you believe are the distinct contributions that uh, Southwestern has made to Southern Baptist preaching? I know I'm going to be very subjective in my response, and I have studied this question over the years and met with professors of preaching from other seminaries on several occasions. To me, Southwestern kept itself tied to the scripture with a focus on evangelism and spiritual growth of those who believe. Without naming other seminaries, as I talked with those professors and visited their classes, I felt like they wanted to be elevated in their thinking and talk to their congregations at a more elevated style, and I'm not going to criticize that. That I hope they did a great ministry doing that. And then other seminaries that I talked to wanted to lower the standard of communication. They wanted to make things, to me, a little too easy, a little bit too sanguine in the sense of uh, if you memorize these words, you'll be a better Christian instead of telling people, you and God can work this out together and I'm here to help you. So I thought Southwestern uh, was the place that really hit a middle ground here I didn't know that when I selected the seminary. I became a Christian at age 21. I arrived here at age 26. I didn't know which seminary I was supposed to go to. But uh, in prayer, we felt it was Southwestern. And the longer I was here, the more I realized, oh, yes, this is the way I identify with it. Scripture is supreme, but it's for the people, and I have to preach it in a way that they can come and love the Scripture as I do. Mm. Wow, those are good words. Uh, I, it, it would seem unfair to, to ask a, a brother to summarize 32 years of, of teaching ministry in just a few words, but if you could, what, what were some of the main lessons that, that you tried to convey to students when, when you had them in preaching classes at Southwestern? Pretty much what we've already discussed, but uh, as I said earlier, their goal should be to preach the word so clearly and in my sermon delivery book the thesis statement is the purpose of sermon delivery is to maximize the message and minimize the messenger so that's what I, I felt like 
And I would attach that, the reason I did that, is because in reading the scriptures, I found that maybe the doctrine of humility before God at the time I was growing up was the least preached important doctrine in scripture. I was not hearing much about humility before God. So every semester that I taught, the first assignment was Mark 9, 33 through 37. The disciples argued who should be the greatest. Jesus said, what were you arguing about? They kept their silence. He took a child like one of these, he said. And then he said, the greatest of all shall be servant of all and least of all. And that was the first scripture assignment every semester. Mm. How, how did you define success in a sermon for, for your students? How, how could a student know that he'd been successful? Or even now a, a preacher, how, is there some objective that he presses toward that he knows that that was a successful sermon? Yes, I mentioned the goal a while ago to be unidentifiable after you preached, but the sermon stays with him. Well, we tried to say, uh, this is an important discipline. I, I had so many students that said, well, how do I preach, uh, prepare a sermon in 15 minutes? I said, uh, well, how long are you going to preach? Well, a half hour to more. I said, then don't you think you need more than 15 minutes preparation? So what we tried to do was to say, after you've studied Scripture and, and you've done your hermeneutic work and you're ready to prepare a sermon, there are five things you can do. You can explain. You can explain by illustrating. You can apply. You can apply by illustrating. And you can use some, ar some uh, application, same way. Uh, I already said that. But uh, you can use some rhetorical devices. Unfortunately, it's called argumentation. It sounds negative. But I really mean persuasive, helping people change their mind or attitude, which we do in evangelistic preaching. You want a person to change from who they are to who God wants them to be. And so you, in your sermon, I said, without explanation, you're not feeding the people. Without application, you're leaving them in a bind. Without persuasion, you're not giving them an opportunity to respond. So as you view your sermon preparation, those are the things you want to do. I don't have a formula for when you use them, how much you use one or the other. Every sermon will be different. God will lead you in different ways, but those are the ways you can guide yourself. You might be happy to know we are still, uh, those are still three watchwords in our classes today. We're telling students that you, you need to explain the text, illustrate, and apply. Those are, those are your basic functions. So whatever else you do in the sermon, you have to do those three things. So. Dr. Faisal, uh, what, what's a final word of encouragement that, that you might have to uh, the preachers out there? You know, here, here are, are uh, men who are called uh, to be responsible for the care and the cure of souls, and they're preaching each week to people in their communities of all walks of life and life situations, what, what's a, a word of encouragement or advice that you have for the preacher as he goes about his weekly work of leading and feeding sheep from the pulpit? Have a discipleship partner or more than one. We're at a difficult time. Preachers used to receive so much more respect from society than they do these days. And so many preachers are feeling discouraged and you cannot handle that discouragement by yourself. It's difficult sometimes to find the right preacher with whom you can share these things. I know, and I said this to a, my pastor back years ago. He said, my problem is 
If I tell my neighboring pastor, here are my problems, I'm an illustration in his sermon next Sunday. That's, that's really sad, but surely there will be some compatriot out there who is suffering the same way you are and identifies with you and you two can understand each other. Or it doesn't have to be another pastor, some good Christian person with whom you can say, help me gain some perspective here. And, and you'll be surprised how much a fellowship group like that will sustain you. And so many people say I'm being burned out, I quit. They can't carry that load alone. So I pray for them there will be another friend or more than one, and they can share their burdens. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Al Faisal. He's the retired distinguished professor of preaching at Southwestern Seminary. Dr. Faisal, thank you so much for being with us. I praise God with you.